Every week here at Rotherham Evangelical Church, we look together at the Bible. Um, you've heard the Bible being read at several points in our service uh, today. We do that because we want to, to see, to hear what God has to say to us about himself, about us, and about how we are to live in this world. We listen to us. So we listen to God as he speaks to us through his word, through the Bible. So if you've got any questions about what I say over the next few minutes, we'd love to, to try and answer them. I can't promise you that I've got the answers. But we recognise that what we do here is, quite frankly, odd to most of the rest of the world. We get it. We're just convinced that, that God's real and God does speak to us. And that's why we do this. And so we're going to turn to the Bible now and look at this, this story of Jesus. And as we do that, I want to, I want to give you a question to, to be thinking about, a start of a 10 if you want. What do you believe in? What do you believe in? As you head out into the next week, whatever it is that, that's lying in store for you, be it at work or, or relationships or, or, or whatever it is that you've got coming up, what is it that you are believing in that's going to get you through? What's your weight upon? As I leave that to, as leave you to ponder on that, I, I turn to, to Twitter, to the, to the font of wisdom that is Twitter, to ask that same question. What, what does Twitter believe in? What are the people who use Twitter believe in? They believe in politicians. I believe in, apparently there's one of the candidates for the presidential race coming up in the States called Peter. I believe in Peter. I have no idea who Peter is. Seems like a nice guy, but... Some people, I believe in, in Peter. Somebody said this, every achiever that I've ever met says this, my life turned around when I began to believe in me. Somebody else said, I believe in long distance relationships. There's 7 billion people in this world. Do you really believe that your soulmate lives down the street? This is quite an odd thing to put on Twitter, but maybe we've went outside Twitter. See what some people who are slightly better known have got to say about belief. Richard McCaw, the uh, all-black rugby playing captain a few years ago, said, I don't believe in magic, I believe in hard work. This belief that if we work hard enough, things will work out. The novelist Julian Barnes says, I don't believe in God, but I miss him. <laughs> Expressing a slightly different belief there. Audrey Hepburn said, I believe in being strong when everything else is going wrong. And maybe again, that's turning back in on, I believe in me. Who or, or what do you believe in? We're going to turn to this, this passage we've just read and we'll ask that question. Who are we to believe in? And let's see what Jesus has to say about belief. We're jumping into the middle of a story here. And we, as we, we jump in... We're literally with Jesus and some disciples as they're coming down a, a mountainside. Sometimes we can think that, that the Bible has got nothing to say to real life. Well, literally what's going on here is that there has been a moment of amazing glory where Jesus has been revealed for who he is. It's wonderful. It's mountaintop experience, literally. But now they're coming down the mountain to real life, to real problems, real suffering. And Jesus plows into the middle of an argument caused by the suffering of a, of a child a young boy and there are two sides in this argument there are the, the followers of jesus called his disciples and then there are the, the teachers of the law religious leaders who who hate jesus 
who have it in for him. And Jesus says to them, what are you arguing about? And as he gets into the argument, we're going to see in our first point the reality of brokenness. Because a man walks forward and he answers the question. Look down at verses 17 and 18 in your Bibles. Page 1013 if you've uh, got a Bible in front of you. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. He says, my son's not well. Here's the issue. My son's not well. He's, he's possessed by a spirit that has taken away his ability to speak. It controls him. It throws him to the ground. It makes him gnash his teeth. That means to grind his teeth together. It's a horrible image. Now, later he says that this spirit has even tried to kill the boy by drowning him or throwing him into the fire. And, and here's the kicker. Here's what's really going on to cause this argument. It's not even all this suffering. It's the fact that he's come to Jesus and to his followers and Jesus' disciples couldn't do anything about it. Your disciples, Jesus, couldn't do squat. And Jesus says, bring the boy to me. And I want to pause there because the, the, the brokenness of this boy is not entirely unfamiliar to us we live in a world where you don't have to go a week before you're going to see the suffering of a child even on our news it's only a few short weeks isn't it we saw the the, the news of those 39 vietnamese nationals who had died in the back of a lorry and 10 of them were were kids teenagers and we can see that the image and yet brokenness is closer to home even than that, isn't it? We may not be possessed by a spirit as this, this boy was, yet there is stuff going on in our lives that mean that we can bear many of the same traits. We might not be thrown to the ground physically, but we know what it is to be thrown to the ground emotionally by forces that we can't control. And don't we too know what it is to be driven to desperation? To metaphorically grind our teeth, to have the foam flowing from our mouths, unable to give voice to, to the pain and the terror. That's what that young boy was going through. And sometimes we, we know the reality of those sort of experiences. Sometimes our, our politicians talk about broken Britain. And we can say our, our country surely is broken. Our world is broken. We see it on an international level. As year by year goes on and we see another conflict which causes hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of people to flee their homes, looking for refuge elsewhere. It's a broken Britain, a broken world, and we are broken people. Why does it matter? And why does it matter today? Well, as we've dedicated two of our, our children today, or one, one of my children, yeah, two of our children as a church, okay, I'm not claiming credit for, uh, for Sophie, but Chloe Keane and Sophie Proctor are broken, despite the appearances. Okay? So as I look out now, you can't see them. Both of them asleep, just, you know, on the, on the sort of breasts of their mother or grandfather, chilled out but but generally they're both pretty good kids 
and you can't see any real brokenness. Even when they cry, everybody just goes, oh, that's sweet. Mostly because you don't have to take them home, to be said. <laughs> they seem perfect. But they're broken. And the evidence of this spiritual brokenness will, will come to reveal itself. Both Sophie and Chloe will, in time, be disobedient to their parents. They'll scream when they don't get what they want. They'll do what they want instead of what's best for them. They're going to reject good advice. They're going to listen to the wrong voices. And that's just the surface level. Underneath, there will be people who have fears and doubts. There will be people, whether outwardly or inwardly, who will scorn the people that love them. There will be people that will mock those that are different to them. And most tellingly of all, they will be young women who will reject the God who made them and the God who loves them. And we might never see it, but that's who they'll be because that's who we all are. Right at this moment, Chloe's asleep on my dad. Okay? And it's interesting because I've got an illustration about my dad. Here's the proof of, of, of what we're like. When I was young, and I can't remember what age, I did something wrong. I did many things wrong, but one particular occasion, I did something wrong, and I got told off by my dad. And my response was, in, in my anger, I ran off to the garage, and then I proceeded to scribble on every page of a book that we, we had, I hate my dad, on every single page. That's the reality of what we as humans do. On every page of our lives, we naturally scream out, I hate my dad. I hate the one who made me. In short, Chloe and Sophie will become just like every one of us. We're all broken. We're all wayward children who've rejected our father. And we all need healing and mending and restoring. And the outward signs of brokenness that we will see are only evidence of an internal rejection of God. Brokenness is a symptom of sinfulness. And that's what we discover in this, this, this young boy. That's what this picture is, is pointing us towards. But there's hope. So second point, the hope of the healer. Look down to verse 23 this father comes and, and speaks to Jesus and says if you can if you can do anything about it if if you can said Jesus everything is possible for the one who believes in the light of our brokenness what will we do that's the question if we are recognizing not now the brokenness of Sophie and Chloe if we recognize it in ourselves what are we going to do? What are we going to do with the brokenness that is within us and the brokenness that is without of us in our world? Are we going to be dreamers? Are we going to dream with John Lennon? Are we going to imagine a world that is better? That we can, if we all work together, that we can solve the issues? Or are we going to look within? Are we going to look within ourselves? Remember those tweets at the start? I believe in me. 
Are we going to look within ourselves to find some as yet unforeseen power to conquer our own fears? To clean up our own hearts of the wickedness that is within them? But let's be honest with ourselves, if not with one another. There is wickedness in each of our hearts. Thoughts and desires that we hope will never be known or revealed. That we hope to contain and suppress. The father of this boy realises that the boy can't help himself. And he also knows that he can't help. He can't heal his son. And so he's come to Jesus. And he's found initially that Jesus is not there. And so he says, what about his followers? Can they help? And they can't. Only God can heal. Only God can change. Only God can purify. But there is hope of healing because Jesus comes. So what does Jesus say? Verse 20, bring the boy to me. And then, if you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. And the father's response is this. I do believe uh, there is some sense that, that I, I do believe that, that Jesus can do something about it, but he also recognises that that belief, that hope, that faith is, is small and slight and, and incomplete. I do believe, help now my unbelief. And then Jesus deals with it. Look down at verse 25. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you. Come out of him and never enter him again. And that's exactly what happens. The boy, to those who are watching on, appears to be dead. And then Jesus takes him by the hand and lifts him to his feet. Jesus heals him. Jesus restores him. Jesus does what nobody else can do. And he heals this boy. So the question is then for us, well, why should we look to Jesus to heal our brokenness? Because it might have worked for this boy, but, but will it work for me? Because this boy, well, similar maybe, but, but, but very different. He's just a boy. He hasn't done what I've done. He hasn't felt and thought and set and acted in the ways that I have. Can, can Jesus heal me? Well, the Bible points us to this is Jesus, who Jesus is and, and why he's come. To heal broken people, to forgive sinful people. Jesus is powerful enough to do it. Because there's not just one testimony in the, the accounts of the life of Jesus. There are countless different people in different ways coming to Jesus and finding life. And notice Jesus' personal touch. Notice how he takes the boy by the hand and lifts him up. That's, that's not for the crowd's sake. It's not for those watching on. It's for the boy. He's invested in this young boy. He cares for the individual. Jesus is a powerful and a personal saviour. 
when we meet Jesus here in this, at this point of Mark's account. He's about to set out on a long walk to go to Jerusalem, the capital city of Israel, to begin a walk that will end up with ultimately with him staggering up a hill outside of Jerusalem, out of the city, weak from a savage beating that he has taken in the hands of the Roman soldiers, abandoned by his followers, betrayed by his friend, willfully convicted despite a complete lack of evidence of any guilt. And yet despite his power, he submits to his execution on a cross. And the Bible tells us he does it to take upon himself the sin of the world, to bear the punishment so that others might be healed. Let me read to you a prophecy that is written about Jesus several hundred years before he walks the earth. It's from Isaiah 53. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. The whole emphasis of those words is that he does it and we benefit. Jesus takes it all so that we might benefit that we might have all the rewards even though he pays all of the price jesus is the one who heals thirdly the lesson for the onlooker look down again at verse 28 and 29 after jesus had gone indoors his disciples asked him privately why couldn't we drive it out and he replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. Why couldn't the disciples do it? Well, Jesus, the, the clue's already been given. They, they are, what's described by Jesus in verse 19, and part of an unbelieving generation. That the, the weight of their trust is not in the right place, even as his followers. As they've tackled this issue, as this suffering issue this boy has been placed before them they haven't leaned upon jesus they've they've leant upon themselves they said oh we cannot do it we tried and one of the things that this story is telling us is that as for the father we need to have belief or, or the, the bible word is faith in jesus to start so this boy moves from death to life, broken to healed. But we also then need faith to continue. It's not a one-time deal. Okay, I'll, I'll put a down payment down and then I'll just carry on. Now there's a second evidence of faith here. A continuing faith, a continuing need to trust in God. Faith to start, faith to continue. The disciples here have forgotten to, to trust in God. They've started to trust in themselves. But they need to continue on the path that the Father has started. I, I do believe, help now my unbelief. And ultimately what this, this passage shows to us is that prayer is the, the litmus test of, of belief. What do I believe in? Who do I believe in? Do we believe in Jesus? Do we pray? 
Are we a people who entrust ourselves on going to God, recognising that without him we can do nothing? And yet with him, verse 23, everything is possible for the one who believes. Prayer is the, the litmus test of faith, the proof of what we actually believe. So let me return to the, the original question. What do you believe in? Member of REC, regular visitor, what or who do you believe in? Do you believe in Jesus? Are you trusting for the mending of your brokenness and the mending of our broken world in, in him? Because what this story is pointing us towards is it's the only way. It's the only hope. He is the only hope. So as we close, let me, let me give us three responses. One regarding Chloe and Sophie. How are we going to pray for them? We're going to pray that they will put their trust in Jesus, their faith in him recognizing as, as he had mentioned earlier we we can't make them christians we as their parents we as their church cannot make them christians only god can do that work because being a christian is not about attendance at a place it's not about a, a set of, of 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 beliefs that we can sort of say yes that's generally speaking true it's not about a good lifestyle about being moral it's about putting your hope in christ alone and so as a church as we commit to to loving chloe and sophie we commit to praying for them that they will jesus will will come to know them and they will come to know him and that for we as parents for lib and i and for for hannah and rich that we will do our job of pointing them towards jesus because that's not easy it's not easy in this world to point our kids towards Jesus because there are so many other competing things that we might want for our kids. We might want them to, to grow up and to be academically you know, as able. We might want for them a career. We might want for them marriage. We might want for them lots of good things. But the, the role of the church is to say to us as parents, the most important thing is that you point your kids to Jesus. And to remind us of that when we will inevitably forget it. And we want to pray for Chloe and Sophie that they will make decisions in their life based on the priority of Jesus. Because no education, no money, no wealth, no job, no temporary happiness, no relationship will fix Chloe and Sophie's brokenness. But Jesus will. Secondly, let me, let me make it personal. How do you respond to Jesus? What's that question? Do you believe? Have you experienced the reality that nothing else in this world fixes the brokenness that you find inside and outside? Jesus says, I am the one who heals. Even this afternoon, you can turn to Jesus and say, will you, will you heal me? Will you forgive me? I trust. Even if, and, even if that faith is tiny. Maybe you're not there yet. 
but you're beginning to to recognize that something smells true about this Jesus why don't you investigate further if you're visiting this church ask the person who invited you come and ask me afterwards we'd love to to introduce you more to Jesus see if he stands up to his own claims but our witness our testimony as a church is that he is he's true Jesus saves thirdly let me challenge us those of us who are trusting in Jesus to continue that journey of faith to continue in our trusting of Jesus maybe we've drifted maybe we've put our hope our confidence in in other things that we become convinced that if we just get the right relationship or the right job or the right whatever, that then we'll be happy. And we've forgotten that first love, that first certain knowledge that Jesus is enough. I encourage us to turn back and, and put our weight again on Jesus and trust, trust in his word, trust in his promises. We want to remind each other, even this afternoon, that that Jesus is the one who has healed and is continuing to heal us, continuing to remake us and reshape us and prepare us for a future where we will be whole. It's one of the things in in, in the psalm that, that Ian prayed to us, talking about an undivided heart. So much of our life in this world is we are divided. We're torn left and right between this good option and that good option or or this least bad option and and another least bad option. And The future that is promised is a life where we will be undivided. We will recognise the goodness of God and we we will bask in his beauty and goodness and we will trust and find he is faithful in every way and we'll be done with a world of brokenness. Inwardly, and outwardly that is the future that God has promised for his people and we want to encourage each other to look forward to that and to continue to faithfully prayerfully trust in God we find that hard we find it hard because we are pulled and because we do enjoy good things in this world we want to remind each other that that Jesus is enough and the children are broken. The band are going to come up and we're going to sing a song that reminds us that our, our worth, our value is found in, in Jesus, not in the things of this world. And as the band come up, I'm going to just leave that question to sit with you. What are you believing, trusting in? And to encourage you, believe in Jesus.